Hello and welcome to The Campaigns, the actual play podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and this is The Campaigns, Secrets, Lies, and the Undead, episode number six, Wet Dreams and Dry Kindling. At the end of our last episode, the players were talking to Edmund in his secret sub-basement, as we referred to as the Batcave or the Conspiracy Chamber, and we will pick up this episode at the next morning. I do want to mention that uh, there is a little bit of an audio problem with this episode and the next one. Basically, I've had some recording issues on my audio only, so when I'm talking, there's a kind of an odd popping sound. There is absolutely nothing I can do about it more than what I've already done. It is quite annoying, and I'm sorry. I found out what the issue was, and I did some adjusting on how I record, and it is not present in any of the other episodes, but episode six and seven were from the same session, and I didn't know it was happening until it was too late. So I do apologize for that. Uh, but it, anyway, on to the show. Here is The Campaign's Secrets, Lies, and the Undead, episode number six, Wet Dreams and Dry Kindling. So we are going to pick up this game with the three of you asleep down in the back gate. That is never a good thing. I don't like this. And if I do this correctly... Here we go. Oh, jeez. Whoa. Is that a map? That is a map. Whoa. So, Corbin is here. Technologies. They're so fancy. Couch. (laughs) (laughs) I am a lay on the couch. And Randall is facing the wrong way on the chair. Yes, I am. So, the first thing we're going to do... We can either roll initiative or you guys can choose, but there's a, a short intro scene I have for each of you. So is there a particular order you'd like to go in or you just want to do it random? Random. Let's test this quantum roller. All right. So let's roll uh, D20, this straight roll. Highest goes first. All right, Matthew. So you have nodded off. You're in a big, plush, comfy chair in front of the fire. It's burning. And, and all these other people are talking about conspiracies and death and all this other boring stuff that you don't really care about. And so you quickly find yourself nodding off and asleep. The night passes, as far as you know, unaware. And it's probably not quite dawn when you start to wake up and you just kind of wake up naturally. The first thing that you notice is that Fidel, to your right on the couch, seems to be having some sort of nightmare. She's rolling in her sleep a little bit, she's muttering. And at one point, you see her hold out her hands as if she had something in front of her face, almost like you imagine she's holding a mirror. And she's talking very quickly, and it sounds like gibberish. And so, you know, it's like that sleep talk. So you really don't know what she's saying, but clearly she's having some sort of nightmare or night terror, uh, but doesn't seem to be hurting herself, anything like that. Would you try to wake her up, or would you just let her do her thing? Uh, she is still armed at the moment. Uh, I'm assuming her bow would have been set down, but uh, you guys all just kind of fell asleep on the couch, so mm. you would be in your armor and you would have your weapons on you. I am going to not get up and get within range of her, but I'd like to give the couch a firm kick from my side and see if I can wake her without getting a a dagger somewhere. Okay. So you're very easily able to to kick the couch. It actually will, the whole thing will slide like five feet over. I don't know how to do that, so we won't worry about it. (laughs) It actually causes Fidel to roll off into the floor. Does not seem to wake her up. 
He's still in the throes of this night terror. Okay, then I will uh, approach and say, Fidel, wake up, and I will place a hand on her shoulder and shake her ever so gently. As you're walking over watching this, you also smell what it smells really good, actually. There's a, there's a smell wafting down from the kitchen, and you hear what you think is the clink of maybe dinnerware, glassware. So you get the, the feeling that uh, the butler's upstairs probably cooking breakfast or making a tray. You can smell bacon, maybe eggs frying. It smells really good coming from upstairs. So you know that breakfast will be fairly imminent. Then screw Thidel, it's breakfast time. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm going to uh, commit to trying to wake my friend up before running out of, uh, running out of the cave. All right, so you, uh, you go over and you start to shake her, and that also does not appear to wake her up. Uh, water oh, or fire. I am close to the fireplace. That might wake me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just roll her right in. Can I move drop, her character? Just drop roll, the couch on her. Roll her right in. Um, Quick, while she's unconscious, pose her in embarrassing ways. Take the pictures. Is it anyway? I'm going to go ahead and violently shake her like I'm an attacker. Let, let, let's, go, let's go. Maybe even scream. Okay, so you get down and really start violently shaking her. Yeah, wake up! Find out you're having a horrible dream! <laughs> the you worst date I've ever had. <laughs> shaking elf syndrome. The worst you, off now! You, you ravage her head back and forth. And after a minute, it appears you see her eyes sort of blink behind her mask, and you see that she's about to become conscious. I should have asked, what did her mask look like this whole time? Actually, it's funny, is it looks like it's very dark and when you first look at it, it you imagine at first it's just black maybe that's like the sleeping mode that's it's, you know it's on it's on sleep it's got one dot like a, <laughs> like a computer but uh but actually as you get that close you notice it's not actually dark but it seems to be reflecting a place that's very very dark but you see the movement of shadows and also almost what looks like a reflection off of water which, again, you've not really seen it do this. It usually just represents more of like a mood or a place. But this is almost like you're looking through the mask at someplace else. But this all happens very quickly. And when her eyes start to flutter, it changes and it goes back to that uh, base sort of neutral expression. All right, Caleb, we're going to jump to you. I eat a sandwich. No. <laughs> you are having a dream. And in this dream, you are floating in a vast body of water. It's pleasant, feels kind of warm, almost like a hot bath or a hot spring. It's completely dark outside where you are. There are no lights, so the sky is just lit up with a billion stars. It feels like you're floating in space, and you probably have not been more at peace than in this dream in a very long time. Then suddenly there's a hand that wraps sort of around your body and starts to pull you, and you turn your head in your dream, and then you're looking at Maya, and she's floating in the water with you. She's bobbing in the water, and even though it's pretty dark, you can see that she's not wearing a top, and you pretty much get the impression that she's not wearing anything. She wraps her arms around you and smiles and pulls you into an embrace, and you guys kiss for a few moments, and then she moves her lips across your face and down to your neck. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. <laughs> she starts. 
Way to ruin the moment, Scott. I was getting into that. If if I had pants on, they would be very tight right now. <laughs> I took my pants off in anticipation okay. of something like this happening. So she starts kissing your neck mm. slowly at first, and then she starts nipping at your neck, like playfully biting at you. And then she starts biting a little harder. And then she bites even harder. And suddenly there's just a pain as she actually bites deep into your neck, pulling away, ripping out your throat. You turn your head and she's got giant fangs coming out of her face. And your blood spurts out. But rather than falling into the water, it actually floats away in a mist, almost like it was lighter than air. And it turns into a red fog that encircles the entire area. You see in Maya's eyes, like, shock at what she's done. And then her body starts to turn rigid. It turns gray. And now she's a stone statue that, that sinks. And since she's still got her arms wrapped around you, you are just full. And as you go under the water, your eyes flutter open. And you remember that you're in Edmund's basement. And there's an odd weight on your chest. Is it my boner? <laughs> I was going to say it's me, because <laughs> Fidel threw me off of her <laughs> of strength, and I landed on his chest. Not quite. That that would be a crushing weight. This is gotcha. an odd weight on your chest. Okay. Uh, so is, I... is it odd when it's expressed in kilograms or pounds? <laughs> it's the metric system. It's odd. Uh, can I move? Can I move my arms? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're still this sort of like groggy, and this dream is still, you know, you're your brain just isn't quite working. So you sort of raise your head up and you see that on your chest is a wooden box. It's about two feet long, eight inches wide, three inches tall with a domed lid that's another two inches. So it's it's just sitting on your chest. It is ornately carved in ironwood, which is a very rare wood. And the hinges and the lock is made out of platinum. So this box in itself is quite expensive. But it doesn't appear to actually be locked. It's just flat. Uh... You also notice that Ravage appears to be strangling Fidel to death about 10 feet from you. All right. And screaming. And screaming. <laughs> and screaming. Ah! You, right. also, you also he smell missed, bacon. He missed also the bacon. About, oh, about how the breakfast is ready and you're having a horrible dream. He just woke up for the screaming. Ah! Now, see, see, first he noticed the intricate inlays and details of the box. Then he noticed a giant man-orc screaming into his companion and shaking her pipe. <laughs> well, he was still groggy from the dream, you know. All right, I'm going to roll a d6. One and two, I say fuck it and go get breakfast. Three and four, I open the box. Five or six, I go figure out what the two of you are doing. I open the box. Okay. Man, Monty Hall problem. I'd have taken what was behind the curtain. So you uh, you use your thumb and you sort of flip open this platinum uh, clasp and the box opens very smoothly. The hinges are in great condition. And inside the, the dome of the top, there is a note that has been written and sort of stuffed in there. And as you open it, it's directly in front of your face and you can read in very sort of small but very precise lettering. So this is almost like someone printed, but, you know, it's almost like a computer text is how clear it is. Corbin doesn't know what a computer is. Okay. Well, a, a monk <laughs> would have written this. Oh, okay. I get it. And Thank you. the note says, it's written in common, it says, I could not secure the sheath, 
best I could do. Say hi to Cornelius for me when you see him next. He still owes me a favor, and now so do you. And as far as you can tell, the only thing in the box is water. Blue water? Just regular old water. Oh, okay, so, regular water's clear. Don't worry about it. Okay, so I'm holding a wooden box, but it's full of water. Yes. It's a good box. That Cooper did a very good job. All right, I'm going to sit up and kind of take the box off my chest so I'm holding it in front of me. Okay, give me a dex check. Whoa, I can't handle this. Is this full to the very brim with water? Yes. 19 total. All right. You are extremely careful, and you're able to move the box, and the water barely sloshes, and none of it spills out. So it, it's full to the brim. If I tip it back or forth, it moves like water moves. Yes. Uh, do I recognize the handwriting at all? No. Again, it's like a print. It's not a scrawl or a signature that you would be able to know. It literally like someone block printed it. Is Edmund in this room? He is not now. He was in there earlier. When you, guys, right, well, you were talking to him when you fell asleep. I put my hand in the water. You feel what appears to be the handle of a sword or a dagger. Am I King Arthur? Did you pick magic item as your incremental advance? <laughs> You're only I King Arthur about that. That's the ironic part. The dagger only exists while underwater. Congratulations, Aquaman. <laughs> hey. Hey. Aquaman is awesome. Oh, jeez. You're one of those? I will pull the, the dagger or sword out. I'll grasp the hilt and pull it out. Uh, as you pull it out, you pull free a, it's a dagger. Uh, kind of long. The blade rolls out and curves up, and at the top it has these little indentations that make it look almost like a crashing wave. It feels good in your hand, hefty weight, uh, but it still has an odd sort of shimmer as if it's water, but it, it appears solid. But you can't see it. It's completely invisible inside the box. It looks like there's nothing there but water, but you're holding an actual weapon, and the water level in the box did not appear to change. Pull it out. All right. You have a dagger. Have I Appreciate ever... Again, is it a box of infinite daggers? <laughs> oh, man, I need one. What happened to the water in the box after I pulled the dagger out? It didn't appear to change. It didn't go lower. It didn't go higher. And it also didn't splash out. So even when you put your hand in there, the water sloshed, but none of it came over the lip of the box. So I'm holding the box in one hand and the dagger in the other. Yep. Hey, look at this. Woo! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seidel. Everyone's caught up. This is, a, this, this is a little bit more lengthy of a dream sequence, so please just bear with me. So water is washing all over you again and again. It feels like you're drowning. There is movement in the water all around you. And at first it looks like you're being surrounded by sharks. But then these images sort of evolve and change the way they do in a dream, and you see that they're bodies. They're not alive, but they're not dead. They're zombies. They're ghouls. But they can swim fast. They rake their claws against your body. They tug at your feet, pulling you under the water, just letting you go long enough to bob to the surface. And as you're about to take another breath, they pull you under again. Finally, one of them rakes across your face, and your mask is ripped off. At that same moment, you're pulled underwater, and you let out a breathless scream, and water rushes into your lungs. Then instantly, you are now standing in a long, dark hallway, you're shivering, you're naked, you're cold, you can't really see anything before or back of you. There's just enough light coming through these really narrow slits, high windows, you know, 40, 50 feet above you, 
to see that you're actually in a hallway and it appears that there's a trickle of filth on the floor. You start walking and you walk for what feels like hours, occasionally passing empty cells, uh, cell doors staggered on either side of the hall. All the doors that you pass appear to be empty of life, but they seem filled with hatred, loathing, and pain. Then there's a skittering of bone across stone behind you. If you turn around, there's nothing there. It gets darker and gets colder, so you, you begin to run, but your legs don't work right, and you stumble and fall, splashing into the filth. And there's just enough re reflection in this to see that your mask is gone, so you're looking into your own face. There's another sort of dreamlike transition, and it's now so dark and it's so cold that the walls are starting to freeze and your fingers and toes are turning black. Each step is more painful than the last and the skittering sound is growing closer to you. You start to run, and you're able to run a few steps, and then you bang into a solid wall. When you turn around, you're completely encased, almost like you're in a chimney. There's a wall on all four sides, and you're trapped in like a small three-by-three three area. With nothing else to do, you start to climb, putting your back against one side, your hands and feet on the other, and you start to scratch your back, and it starts to bleed as you inch your way up. And then all of a sudden, that skittering sound is above you, and it's below you. Startled, you let go, and you fall, and you seem to fall forever. Finally, you stop. You don't crash, you're just not falling. And in front of you, there's an ancient stone door, carved intricately and iron-bound. There's two sets of torches on either side, one sort of around six feet high, one around three foot high. And you can see that there's some sort of lettering carved across the door. But when you look at the letters, they swirl and move and that you can't quite make them out. You're compelled to move forward. And as you get right to the door, there's an instant where the letters just sort of snap into place and you can read them and they spell out the prisoner. And then the door cracks down the middle and swings open to both sides. And before you is like an empty tomb, vast but empty. The only thing you can see in the center is a iron chair with a figure upon it wrapped in chains crusted in ice. With nothing else to do, your character moves forward, getting closer and closer. Finally, you're close enough to see that this figure is small, lithe, thin, their heads down, hairs covering their face, and right as you get close enough so that you can see them, their head snaps up and you see your own eyes. You're looking at yourself. And then you snap awake and Ravage is choking to death. What? Where? <coughs> Get off! Get off! <coughs> Ravage! Uh, Ravage! <coughs> and in the background, Corbin's just swinging his dagger. You're awake? Bacon! <laughs> and I run out of the room. After Ravage startles you awake, and... It actually appears that um, it was probably a good thing because this nightmare had gotten a hold of you quite powerfully. You still feel somewhat sick to your stomach, and, and as dreams normally do, it starts to fade. But the two things that you clearly remember are the words of the prisoner and the image of yourself wrapped in those chains in that room. That's really the only two things that you're going to clearly remember. So you start to pick yourself up as you see Ravage making his way towards the uh, the stairway. You see Corbin standing nearby, holding a wooden box in one hand and a dagger in the other. And then 
you start to also smell, you know, breakfast, the, the meat, the eggs, whatever, wafting down. That rabbit, as you turn the corner and start to go up the stairs, the doorway slams shut. If this is a dream within a dream, I officially get to be disappointed. <laughs> There's the noise of a deep blare of French horns. Um... I'll stagger slowly to my feet, and um, with my wits clearly not anywhere about me, and and struggle with um, leftover flashes of imagery from my torrentially awful dream for a considerable while. Maybe somewhat like unconsciously, because you're still cold and you feel wet, even though you're not. You probably stagger a little closer to the fire and feel its warmth, and it's. You don't know if the butler or if Edmund may have restoked it before you guys woke up. It's not like bellowing fire, but it's a healthy fire. It's not burned down to embers or anything. So you were the first to notice that suddenly the smoke stops going up and starts filtering out into the room. Oh, damn it. A. I'll blink at it a few times. Guys, I think we're in trouble. Yeah, they just closed the door on us. And and they've they've blocked up the fire. Room's filling with smoke. Uh, does anybody have any water? <laughs> I look around for uh, those pitchers of liquor and things to try and put out the fire. At the very least, I'll grab my um, uh, my broadsword, stick it in the fire, and m- spread apart the logs a bunch so that it won't uh, burn nearly as fast. Okay. So um, on the table up there in the far right hand corner is where there was uh, drinks and alcohol. You. You don't remember seeing water, but there are spirits there, but that may not be the best thing to throw in the fire. You don't see any just normal water. You're, you're able to dig your sword in and you kind of spread across uh, or spread apart the fire. That will slow down the smoke, but it won't stop it completely. Are there any windows or is this basement deep enough that there are no windows? Yeah, no windows. You guys are like, you're in the back cave of Edmund's house. It's a sub basement. The only way that you know of in and out is the hallway. You know that it's a pretty, thick stone door that, you know, again, it slides over. As far as you know, the only way to get out is that door. Could we block the fireplace if we move a couch in front of it? Would that be helpful? That's an excellent idea. The smoke will smother the flames. Mm. Either that or it'll get really hot and catch on fire. Either way, we're getting out of this quick. Let's do it. All right, guys, let's roll new characters. (laughs) Bam! I just joined a site that has a bunch of extra classes, so I'm ready. I am going to be a half-orc ninja chick. <laughs> nice. I have moved to the other side of the couch to expedite the moving process. Okay, you so you guys, are, you guys are able to move the couch without any problem. So, Caleb, since that was your idea, I'll let you pick high or low. Low for go. Low for go. Okay, so you push the couch against it, and based on its size, it does fit against it fairly well. And at first, the smoke just seems to roll from the top and the bottom, it doesn't really seem to be doing a whole lot of, of good. But after a couple minutes, it actually does seem to be slowing down the uh, the flames. And you think that the smoke and the little bit less water or air has uh, started to smother the fire. It's not completely out, but it has, has helped. It has bought you some more time before you will start to die of smoke. Ravage, did you... Um, did you tell us that the door was closed, or did you just come back down the stairs? No, I told you the door's closed. Hey, hey, Muscles, did you try the door? I didn't. I just saw them slam it in my face, so I just figured they were bringing down breakfast until the smoke started coming in. Oh, well. And now I think 
maybe we should try the door? Yeah, I mean, now that someone's obviously trying to kill us, why, why don't you try the door? Yes. Oh, Good plan. Side note. I should have asked this earlier. Did we heal at all during the night, or are we still at the hit points? That would have counted as a as a full rest. Fantastic. Because I definitely don't know how many hit points. Back to full? A full rest? I believe so. I would actually have to double check that, but I think a full rest, you get your hit, hit points back in your hit points. If not, we'll change it later, but for now, it's fine. Okay. So Sorry. the the stairway a stairwell is very narrow and steep, so only one of you can get up there at a time. I think it makes the most sense for Ravage to try it first. I so, agree, since I, I have the greatest strength. So uh, give me a strength roll to see if you can knock down this door. Just a uh, strength plus my uh, modifier, obviously, and level. Yes. Sweet sassy molassy, boom! Oh hell, hell yeah! Nice. Not so, natural, but still. So, tell me what you did to open that door. Okay, so uh, I uh, I kind of sauntered up there, and I and I'm kind of just like you know, rolling out the muscles, and I look at the door and try to find the best spot where it might just move, and I just grab it and just shove with all of my might, uh, and pop it. So you uh, you get all veiny and lazy, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and there's a moment where you don't think it's going to work. Like you just it's just perfectly still, and if anything, your feet start to kind of slide backwards, yep. and then you redouble your effort. And there's actually even like a loud thunder clap off in the distance that you can hear, and then the door slams open, flies completely open, and you were assaulted with flames as you see that the kitchen is completely engulfed in fire. Oh, the bacon. And standing, This just goes from bad to worse. And standing, We're going to get out of the fire and it's going to be like a room full of archers, right? All ready to poise. I'm not climbing on the roof. Acid. Well, actually, now oh, that you mention Jesus it, Christ. Uh, what you see at the top of the stair is a skeleton. Oh, look at oh. this! Who is partially engulfed in flames but doesn't really seem to mind that much. And he is going to try to attack you. So with this point, we will roll initiative. All right, well, with your improved initiative, Doohickey, Corbin, you are able to go first. I don't think Rabbit has had time to yell at you that there are skeletons upstairs, but you probably would be able to hear the crackling of the fire, and there's actually now smoke uh, starting to roll down the stairs as well. So it's pretty obvious that there is a fire upstairs also. So what would you like to do? Where were all of Edmund's notes in the basement? They were at the bottom where the desk is. It's on the wall in front of it. So if you were sitting at the desk, it would be in front of you, like on a, basically like on a corkboard type of a thing. And this covers the entire wall. It's not like just a few notes that I could just grab. Yo, no. I mean, it doesn't necessarily cover that entire wall depicted on the map, but it's it's a big thing. Imagine like an old cop movie where they've got you know the string that goes from the crime boss to this person and that person yeah. over here. So it's probably like 10 feet square, you know, just, but there's a lot of empty space in there, too. All right. I'm drawing the evidence. <laughs> a rough estimate. Yeah. I'm still... Ugh. All right, make a decision or I'm moving on. What are you doing? Okay. I shut the box. Does the water fall out if I tip it? No. It, uh, it doesn't appear to be any water coming out of it. So do you still have All the right. dagger in your hand or did you put it back into the box? 
No, I'm still holding the dagger. Okay. Well, I made it blue, so you better be holding that goddamn dagger. Yeah, I'm hold. Uh, I've got the dagger in one hand. I'm gonna tuck the box up under my shoulder. Oh, not like under my arm, like a football carry kind of thing. And I'm gonna move up the stairs behind Ravage. Okay. So you move behind Ravage. You can clearly see now the flames that are licking around the edge of the stone door. And there is a skeleton in, in rags, and the rags have caught on fire. And he's standing there in front of uh, in front of Ravage, and he's got like a rusty dagger in his hand. And really, at the moment, that's all you can see. But you can't, unless you have like a ranged attack you want to go through, you can't do anything at the moment. So that will be your turn, Ravage. You are right there at the doorway. Creature's just a couple feet from you. You could easily step, but you will be stepping into flames if you do so. Like actual, like like there's flames, like. Like everywhere, like big flames. Okay, good work. I like drawing. This is nice. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, so imagine you're in a movie yes. where there's a house on fire. Yes. That's what we're in. So it's not like you're walking into the furnace of hell, but there are there is fire. The, the walls are on fire. The ceiling is on fire. The kitchen table is on fire. But there are places that you could stand where you're not standing on fire. But from a game standpoint, you will be taking environmental attacks against you every round that you're in here, so there's a chance that you're going to take ongoing damage from the fire, from the heat, and from the smoke. Gotcha. So so standing there and fighting toe-to-toe for five rounds is probably a bad idea. From a glance, would these rags appear to be anything I would recognize um, that the skeleton is wearing? Sorry. Give me a higher low. Uh, hi. No, they, they're, they're too raggedly and worn, and now they're actually already on fire. So there's nothing about there's nothing about them that, that stands out to you. And I would remember how to get out of this place through the you flames. You know, you can follow the same way you came in. Right. You don't know if there's another or maybe a quicker exit, but yes, you could. You would want to go basically come out and turn left, and there's just like a couple of joining rooms in a hallway that leads to the front door. Okay, I would like to pull my uh, my javelin and. Uh, Try to throw it at the um, the um, bony adversary. Okay. Go ahead and roll me in a pack roll. Okay, so I heave my javelin and it bounces off the inside of the uh, doorway we're in, and I go, "That was a good shot." <laughs> so you see a javelin come clattering down the stairwell, Adele, and, and rolls to the top at your feet. I can't bring myself to run into the flames because I'm really good at dying. So I'm going to stand here. Okay. Uh, the skeleton is next. And actually, by skeleton, I will say skeleton. Of course you will. You know, for a while I kept questioning what the, why the name of the campaign involved the word undead. I'm not questioning it anymore. So there are at least two more skeletons that you can see moving around. You think there might be more than that, but the first one is actually going to step up. So the one that's closest to you is the one that you missed, and then another one fell in behind. So this one is going to attack at you. He has a rusty sword. 19 versus arm class. Oh, yeah. Alright, you take three points of damage. Sweet. The flames are starting to lick around it, and actually its bones are starting to blacken a little bit and char, the clothing begins to ripple, and the bottom lip actually kind of quivers, and there's no sound, but you get the sense that it's laughing at you. I'm insulted. You should be. All right, Fidel, 
You are up. All right. I'm going to scream up the stairs. Use the choke point for our advantage, not our disadvantage. Get back down here. We can fight them there. And then I'll hold my action until such a time as we've all come down the stairs. She makes so much sense. These masks hide brains. (laughs) And crazy, apparently. So essentially, Fidel, I will count that as you holding your action if all you're doing is speaking. So if they do get out of your way, I'll let you take a shot. All right, so uh, Corbin, it's back to you. What would you like to do? That's a super good idea. I can't move my guy. Uh, he moves down the stairs. I just can't move him. Where do you want to go? No, the uh, the upper corner. Move up one. Up. Yeah. Yeah. He basically down and out of the way, uh, giving a giving Fidel a clear line of sight, and hopefully being able to jump at something when it walks past. Okay. All right. Um, the way I drew this stairway, it extends into the room in that fossil, but it really there's nothing actually there. That, that, so like that doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. All right, Ravage. On the other side of the door, basically. Got it. Ravage, what would you like to do? You have a I would also like to uh, make. Uh, I would also like to make a strategic retreat. Okay. And uh, wait, you mean we came up with a plan, and and there wasn't dissent because it didn't involve splitting the party. We're actually following through. Yeah. It's not like okay, two of us wait down here while one of us goes and stands in the fire until they're in trouble, and then the second one of us goes and tries to get them while the third tries to like jimmy up the chimney or something and sneak around back. Hey, 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 hey! I thought about putting someone up that chimney, but I didn't say it. Good, because it would have been me, and yeah. I would have died. Yes. But you have you have your chevron power. I'm not going up the chimney. Okay, good. Well, we're going to fight skeletons then. Okay, so if you just walk away, Ravage, you're going to take opportunity attack? I sure am. Because you are engaged. If you would like to try to disengage, you have to make a normal saving throw, which is just a straight d20, but because there are multiple there, there's going to be a 13. 13. Boom. Oh, yeah. There it is. Boss. So I deflect... A couple, uh, you know, uh, rusty weapons off my bracers, and I, uh, cat-like, that's about eight feet tall, descend the stairs to conveniently be at the bottom, ready for them, and out of Fidel's way so he may uh, bust one of their skulls with his arrows. arrows. I'll let you take a shot around Ravage, and then I will actually put you at that point in the initiative, which is still the same. Actually, you're now going to go in front of the skeletons. That's all that really happens. Yay! In front of the skeletons. I botched it pretty bad, and it's uh, not odd, so I can't re-roll it. Okay! okay I chuck an arrow awkwardly up the hallway. It ends in one of the stairs, and I feel Did shame as a minor action. You just threw the arrow with your hands? <laughs> Basically. Oh, the bow! I forgot! God. That's over by the couch! <laughs> what was that thinking? You're still half asleep. You think this is a dream. So the skeletons are going to rush down, but because of Fidel's great uh, tactical maneuvering, only one of them gets to attack you at a time. So the first one is going to attack Ravage with a 12. Which is going to miss, yes. All right, so the, there's still heat and flames, um, and the, 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 the kitchen above you is like it's kind of turning more into an inferno. So you still think that you probably need to hurry this up. If you wait too long, you may not get out before the house collapses on top of you and you die very slowly rather than quickly. So, 
that will then be back to the top of the order, which is Corbin. So Corbin, I don't exactly know how it works in this. There's a hard corner there. I'll let you attack if you want, but I'm going to give you some negatives because you're attacking around a hard corner. Oh, well, I am... Can I move back, maybe, and have a better shot at a ranged attack? Uh, yeah, if you just move one over, you have a better line of sight, and I'll let you do a ranged attack around rather. Like there? Yep. Okay. Um, so I will do a ranged attack with flying blade. This is uh, 22 versus AC. So what exactly is the flying blade? Is it literally like you throw a dagger, or is it some sort of feast thing where you like you fly through the air and attack and then jump back? No, no, no. It's throwing a dagger. Um, I would grab one of the regular daggers I have and flip that at him. Okay. Uh, 22 will hit. All right. Now I don't... My natural attack roll is not even. I don't get that bonus. So D8 plus 4. All right. 7 is enough to take this creature out. Okay. So describe what happens. Your, your blade takes it out. So what does that look like? All right, so I grab this dagger, I flip it, it skips right over Ravage's shoulder, and slams through the skeleton's uh, spine, severing his head. So it flops off one way, and the bones just flop to the ground. All right, so the bones just fall to the ground. There's a heap of bones right here in front of Ravage. Yep. All right, Ra Ravage, it is now your turn. There's no enemy directly in front of you any longer. I am going to uh, converse with my friends before commencing my action. And I'm going to say to them, Hey, do you think our best idea is to um, run through them and out of the house? Or do you think that we should stay down here and get buried alive and then dig ourselves out? That would have been a much better idea before they were all stacked up in the hall, blocking our way. Doe! Way to go, tactician. Hey, I, I, I'm i going to win the battle, not necessarily the war. <laughs> I I would very much like to be out of this hot, burning building. Yeah. That was actually the, the chapter in uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War was left out, is that if the house is in fire, fuck the rest of this advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's his last one that they'd never print for whatever Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay, um... Can I cinematically and awesomely, if I were to, oh, I don't know, charge and attack this skeleton in front of me, and if I was to obliterate him in one shot, careen into the next one, and maybe at the very least push him? You can try. I can fucking try. Awesome. Let's do it. That's exactly what I'm doing. With me! With me! I'm drawing my towar. I well, don't know how much... I have to swing with it, but I'm going to use it anyway, even if it's just the, the hilt. And I'm going to viciously try to cleave this skeleton in two, and I hopefully do. Yes, that is very, very much high enough. So Fantastic. roll your damage. Die. So you basically just sort of run up and use your hand like a automatic door, shove that one hard into this wall. Yes. He crumbles into bones and disintegrates, and you're actually able to move into his spot. Awesome. All right, so Seidel. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and probably swing and a miss. Let's find out, shall we? Shoot another arrow. Ooh, 18 to hit. Sounds like that'll hit even. That will you hit. You got your bow. 
Yes! I picked it up. Now I can't remember what it was called. With. I got With. With and I are doing quite well, thanks. <laughs> but it's With in Elvish. So it looks fancy. Yeah, there's like little hats on top of the letters. I got nine points of damage on him. Okay, so that is enough to, to describe what happens to him when your arrow takes him out. Oh, uh, well, my, my arrow creams up the narrow hallway, uh, just missing my massive compatriot. And we'll say, as nebulous as it is for an arrow to obliterate a skeleton, it uh, struck into his skull in such a way that it cracked in two and fell apart. And without his skull, he felt embarrassed to keep on fighting, and so he decided to sit down. Okay. So the skeleton becomes so embarrassed, he turns red for a moment, and then he crumbles to the ground. Your arrow actually continues on and strikes the skeleton behind him. No! And breaks off a couple of his exposed ribs. However, at that moment, from around the corner steps another skeleton... Uh, this one is larger. Holy shit! Sorry. Than the other one. He. This isn't a great depiction based off this, but this one, it's not like a giant one, but it's like. Well, it's not, but it's rabbit like, size? Yeah, it's about, basically it's like rabbit size. Uh, it's also, it has armor, not just rags. It has a shield, a long sword, helmet, and it actually kicks this skeleton down causing it to crumble and break out of the way and then steps down here to engage Ravage. Fudge! So, he is going to attack Ravage with his, especially a short sword. Ho-ho! Uh, what is he actually one, doing? Natural one, which means he... Misses. Cutting his own hand off? Uh, no. Alright, so that is the skeleton's turn, so it's back to the top. Corbin, you are not aware of this new development. Corbin would try to get out, so he would move up into the hallway. All right, so when you do that, you see a Ravage-sized skeleton and armor sword engaging Ravage. Oh, God. Um, um, can I see anything behind him? Uh, just Other than fire. Just other fire. Than fire you, yeah, you don't see any other movement to make you think there's any other skeleton. Okay, I'm going to roll Shadow Walk against him. Okay. Uh, this is versus the skeleton's mental defense to see if it works. Okay. 18. Okay. When you jump to the other world, there is a person standing in the same spot as the skeleton, but it doesn't look like a skeleton. It looks like a person dressed in the same armor. Do they recognize the person? Uh, no. It appears just to be a soldier, but he seems intent on killing you just as much as the skeleton does in our world. Except he has all the face muscles to actually show it. Yeah. Alright, well. So for the purposes of this, Ravage is not there. So in the shadow world, you are still in that stairwell. You are looking at a human, as far as you can tell, soldier who wants to kill you. Alright. Well, my instinct from a real world perspective would be to vanish on this turn and then start of the next turn appear over here so as to sneak attack the skeleton. Alright. So the thing is, though, that in this shadow world, basically, there's an enemy there also. Okay. Which is, you've never seen this before. Every time okay. you've gone to the shadow world, it's, it's been really kind of creepy, and you always felt like there might be people there, but you've never seen anybody. But it, essentially, if you cross over, you are in a fight with another creature by yourself in the shadow world. 
can I move up to him, effectively standing in the space that ravages in in the real world and engage him? Yes, you. Yeah, it's almost like you guys are based on a different map. It's just you and him. Okay. And you are in a shadow world, so you can attack him if you would want. And his damage will affect the skeleton. You don't know that. Oh, I okay, don't mean you again. Can we get Hold on. Um, what round of combat are we in? The third round? I, I'm not 100 percent sure, honestly. Actually, yeah, that's right. I haven't been keeping up with escalation. I was gonna ask. Good. I was just yeah. about to ask. Yeah. So we'll say this is. You ran up there. You ran back. You ran up again. So I think this is the third. So the escalation will be at two. Alright, escalation for two. Okay, I am going to use tumbling strike, uh, which means I can move up, make the attack, and then use a quick action to attempt to disengage and move away. So it's a spring attack. Move up, attack, move away. Gotcha. Um, so this is at a plus seven. This is a plus seven versus AC to hit. Uh, rolling a nice. 21 total. That will hit. Okay. That is going to be 12 damage. Now, I at this point, I'm using the new dagger I got. Okay. Use, well, nothing else. There's nothing, well, nothing that you're obviously aware of. Okay. It does appear to be a nice, cool dagger. It looks great. Now, it, it, that it gives me... nicely, coolly disintegrate undead people does on a it, spiritual plane. Does it put out the fire? <laughs> uh, no, it does not put out the fire. All right. I now, I would assume then I have to make a disengage roll to move to successfully move away. Yep. It's just a straight roll, 11 or higher. All right. Now, the power says I get a plus 5 to that disengage check. All right. Then you need a 6 or higher on the dot. And that's what you got. So you are able to disengage, and you can move back down to here if you'd like. Yeah, you, I would. You move the rest of your movement realistically. I don't know how much movement you have left. Again, I'm not worried about tracking. I mean, yeah, we're not really tracking feet. Yeah, I would basically pop up, hit him, and then move. Wait, I want to move past him. If you, if that's okay with you. If not, I'll move backwards. Could I sure. try to like basically stab him? If I hit, I would. I use that momentum to kind of vault over him real quick. And and move up the stairs. I'm good with that. Okay, then I, I'm right there. All right, and then there is no fire in the shadow world, but when you come back to the real world, there are flames all around you. So at the start of your next turn, you will be uh, susceptible to an environmental attack. Yay! Uh, but, you, but you do currently have the creature flank, which is an true bonus in this edition. Ravage, you don't really see what happens because Corbin disappeared from behind you. But all of a sudden, he appears behind the skeleton. And you do see the skeleton sort of like a crack appears in the bone as if he was attacked by a weapon that you didn't see. Well, technically, I haven't come back into reality again. That's not the start of my turn. So I would, gotcha. he wouldn't see me standing behind him. Uh, gotcha. But you would see the effect. So it, for some reason, the skeleton looks like somebody you can't see hit it. All right. It is now the skeleton's... Or actually, no, I'm sorry. It is Ravage's turn. We need to get out of here! Barbarian Rage. Alright, there's a loud thunder clap. Sword drawn, two hands. I'm going to attempt to cut this fucker in half. 
see if that works, but we'll see. Uh, Rage lets me um, roll 2d20, so I'm just going to roll them back-to-back, and we'll just hopefully they'll both be ass-kicking numbers. So basically you uh, 11 would be the best one, so that would be an 18. Mm. Misses. The, the skeleton is able to deflect your sword off of his shield, and he almost traps your blade, so he doesn't quite manage to do that. Um, I found out I do have uh, miss damage. Of okay. One. Of one? Of one. But hang on. Uh, once per battle is a free action when you have missed attack. Uh, I would also like to use Building Frenzy, which I have, which means I get a plus, uh, D4 to my miss damage for this attack. Okay. So, cool, too. Yeah! Two damage. Sweet. Fantastic. Okay, so Ravage, after that is Fidel. So, Fidel, you are next. Uh, you saw Corbin disappear. You've seen him do this before, so you believe he went into the Shadow Realm. Uh, but you have a shot. I'll, again, I will let you shoot around Ravage. All right. I uh, botched my roll to hit, but luckily it's even, so my wonderful uh, skills... Oh. Of course, I forget the uh, escalation die, which is at three now. Uh, no, you're still in this this round because you're last. You're last now of all the good guys. So on Corbin's turn, it goes up. So Caleb, you're in charge. Every time you start, tell me to roll the die. Okay. And so my second shot is also abysmal. I assume twelve doesn't hit. That will not hit. No. Okay. Then I uh, think to myself about all the mistakes that I've made in my life that led me to roll these terrible dice. <laughs> okay. So Lame. the Light. The skeleton is going to attack Ravage once again. That lip continues to quiver in a weird sort of way that makes you think that it's laughing, or this one's laughing at you. Uh, it gets a 21 on its attack. That's definitely hitting. Okay. You take 14 points of damage. <laughs> cool. Good. I love damage. Mm, mathematics. It's at the start of the next turn. So the escalation dies at three. Corbin is going to pop back into reality. Okay. So since you didn't, you will not take an attack this turn. You have to start your turn in the fire. So you kind of got a freebie this way. All right. I'm going to use Tumbling Strike again. Uh, since I'm coming back from a Shadow Walk, I will do double damage. This is also a sneak attack. All right, so that's a 27 to hit. It is a 27 hit, and I assume you're using your new dagger. I am. And that counts as a critical hit against this creature with that dagger. Oh, shit. Remind me what crit, what we do with crits in this game. Max, and then reroll, but I will double check for you. Now, since I'm already doing double damage, how are we going to do this? It would be triple damage. Fuck, fuck. Yeah, it does double damage. Uh, yes, so you would do triple damage. So the way that I would say that you'll do this is you get maximum damage, and then you would roll both of the other two. So you at least get maximum plus two. Okay. It, it does. Does that also max my sneak attack die? Yes. And does? I'm sorry to ask all these questions. It just doesn't say. It just says deal double damage with the first rogue attack. I'm going to assume that would double the sneak attack die as well. I don't. No, I don't think so. There, I think so. I think you would get so your regular damage is maximum, and then roll it twice, and then your sneak attack is maximum. Okay, so it's probably going to be a lot. So I think we're going to be okay here. But we'll, we'll <laughs> I just wanted. Okay, so weapon is a D eight, twenty seven. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, maximizing my sneak attack plus four, so 31 damage. So 31 all together? Yes. Okay. That basically removes both arms and both legs off the skeleton. It is now the Black Knight, but it doesn't quite destroy it, so it's still sort of sitting at the top of the stairs, chattering with its teeth. That's uh, great. Okay, uh, can I as a, a free action just look around me real quick where I'm standing? Yep, you're in the kitchen. It's on fire. You see the body of the butler uh, on the ground nearby. It's already been partially consumed by the flames. It has a has like a jut of bone sticking through his neck. And you can see what appears to be that he was in the process of cooking breakfast or preparing a meal when he was attacked. Uh, otherwise, the house is quite on fire. And you can see multiple places where torches or lanterns were used. So this clearly wasn't arson. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't just that the house got on fire because of the breakfast burning. This was intentional. Okay, Ravage, you have a decrepit skeleton in front of you that just needs to be looked at hard and it will fall apart. What would you like to do? Can I say I look at it hard and it falls apart or do I actually have to roll dice? I will let you say you look at it. Basically, if you just step on it as you're stepping over it, that will do it. It has. I will step on it briskly as I run through it. Okay. And as I brush past, is is Caleb uh, corporeal at the moment? Yes. When he, when he popped back in, you can now see him there. As I'm walking through the skeletons and, and seeing him scares the shit out of me because I had no idea where the fuck he came from. Ah! I'm going to say, Edmund! And I'm going to charge to wherever I think his living quarters might be. Okay. As best as you could tell, he probably has living quarters upstairs. Thanks for attending the RPG Academy and listening to our podcast. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. This podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We will use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out numerous ways. One, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. Also, if you clear your cookies and then visit Amazon or drive through RPG through our portal, we get a kickback from your orders and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like an RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com, or you can reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google+. We are there under the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.